0: Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. And Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Uh, visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, going to hang out with us for the entire 5 o'clock hour. Our good friend, David Locke. What's up, David? How are you? Hey, we are great. This is working well. We're 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 kind of taping stuff together where we have a video conference with David as opposed to traditional phone line. And David, uh, speak for us. Let's let's just drink in how good this quality is.
1: Well, I have to look at Austin the whole time though, so this is really disturbing. <laughs> like, like all I get is a view of Austin and his. Um, Diminishing belly because he's doing such a great job during quarantine of um, eating better with his blue gloves on while running the board so that he's staying safe. Um, and his, uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I get right now. I get. guess David's not under oath because uh, some of that was not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Is
2: the belly not diminishing? No, no. I, I don't know. Hey, who's worried
0: about a diet at a time? Not like me. This? Never happen. Eat away. How are you doing, David? How's, how's life? You guys doing all right? You holding up all right?
1: Yeah, I'm losing lots of weight. This is great. Like, I'll be in the best. I'll be, if we ever get to go bike out on trails, uh, I'll be in the best shape I've been in in a long time.
2: Now, David, we were discussing your athleticism uh, before you came well, on with us. And uh, I, I and tell tell Jake what a good athlete you were, and don't be modest. Tell you were you were an accomplished athlete, what in baseball and in in, uh, in 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 certainly in skiing, right? So,
1: Jake, I was so good that if you played in a small private school league where there barely are enough kids to feel the team <laughs> I became conference player of the year. And then I went and played division three baseball because every other scout in the world realized I wasn't any good and had an ERA. That was a California zip code. And if you know anything about California zip code, that's not good. So by the end of my sophomore year of college, after wearing a uniform for two years, I would like to say I played, but I would say I wore a uniform for two years. I moved on and decided to get into broadcasting. So when your three pitcher pitches are slow, slower, and slowest, <laughs> you don't have much of a career.
0: Hey, college babe, baseball is college baseball. You played, man. Yeah. I'd be proud yeah. of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, they don't really cut you at Division three schools. They just don't want you there too long. just want you to
2: get out of the way uh uh david yeah but you've passed on to your kid your kids are all really good athletes and so you you know you've got you've got some some good things that you're adding to the mix
1: they might be able to hear me right now so i won't make my usual joke but yeah i won't because they can hear me (laughs) i think they're in the other room I can, I can give, I can discredit them too, but I don't think that's, that's bad parenting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They work hard. How's that? Uh, They work hard and they're both in sports with limited people have limited access. So it helps your chances. David,
0: let's talk a little Utah Jazz. And I, I love this, that we have the whole hour, really, to, to dive into stuff. But we haven't had you on since the athletic report last Friday and since Rudy responded uh, on Instagram over the weekend. How are you digesting what we're hearing coming out uh, about the relationship between Rudy and Donovan?
1: Okay, so other than the one line, which obviously was real, that, like, I'm not trying to discredit Tony or Shams or anything. I'm just trying to get everyone's perspective on this. So there was the one line that said it might not be salvageable, right? That's the. One. Was there anything else in that that people didn't know?
2: I, I one thing I didn't know, David, is I didn't know the the description of the meeting with Dennis and Justin and others uh, involved in the jazz. I knew that the jazz were ahead of the curve as far as educating about COVID. Nineteen, But I didn't know that I didn't know the extent, the details of how they had met together to discuss it and discuss its ramifications on the league.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, Quinn had Quinn or Dennis or Justin. I don't know who it was. Frankly, I just saw Quinn walk them in. So I don't know who um, they had a bunch of doctors in um, shoot around before. Maybe the Toronto game on the ninth, so they had a lot. I, I'm I'm guessing just kind of I'm looking back the calendar, um, so they had you know they they were they were on it and I and I've said this before. I think the two stories that have not been talked about enough, and maybe this is me being a homer, but I actually just think there's some truth to it. Uh, one is the whole story about Rudy touching the microphones. Okay, that's fine. And that was not the smartest thing ever for Rudy to do, certainly. And it ter- definitely has damaged his uh, how he's looked at. But where were the reporters? And why were the microphones on the desk? Social distancing before it was cool. Right. Way before. Like, we didn't. That was early. The second one is, like, if you go look up, and I'm not. This is tough because it sounds like I'm criticizing. And I'm really not criticizing. But if you go look up Marcus Smart, in, and I don't know that these are related at all. These are just facts. Injury report, illness, he shows up in March. If you search Christian Wood, injury report, illness, he shows up in March. Rudy Gobert had a slight fever that went away. And I, from everything I understand, like, if he had tested negative, was planning to play – that night like he was healthy so the jazz were very aggressive whether it was mike elliott eric waters quinn snyder i don't know in oklahoma city in testing rudy because he basically had his symptoms they went away and he would have wanted to play that night no differently than it seems marcus smart or christian wood may have earlier in the process when they had what may have been covid. I don't know. I mean there's just so much we don't know, right? Um, you know, the fact that Donovan was asymptomatic means I don't know anything on him. Like I don't like we like there's no way to know, right? Um, I don't even I don't know like I don't know if they kept testing him or things like that. So I only know of one test, right? Um So there's just so much you don't know, but I think that's what's interesting on this is that there was a, a those two items I think are really Interesting to me on how early the Jazz reacted to this situation. And then, you know, unfortunately, I think they they obviously got some sort of an impact on that.
2: There, there is no doubt, David, what you said is absolutely correct. And the Jazz were ahead of the curve, they were on top of it. Quinn had talked to his team, he had talked to play, he had tried to educate them way before, I think, the, the, the average in the NBA. And so, this irony that the Jazz are associated with it because of the way the test happened and it came back positive, then people kind of might have the impression that, hey, they weren't being responsible, and and they were. They were way in front of the curve.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, obviously, as the article talked about, there's the tie to Seattle. It was the first impact. first impact. But Quinn was, we had a lot of conversations. Eric Waters, Jazz trainer, and I had a lot of conversations about it. Um, I'm trying to think back about dinners or time um or other places where we might have had some more conversations about it uh, on that previous road trip and we we all spent a lot of time together right we left on march 1st and returned on march 7th and spent a great deal of time and it's funny i was looking back through my pictures today there's also this other element as much as the jazz were on top of it and as much as a lot of us like were talking about it okay i'm looking back through my pictures today and I've got pictures of Boston, Massachusetts, empty shelves everywhere. So that's, I took that on March 5th, walking around in Boston and like there's, you know, Windex and, and some Clorox and f- I'm looking at it right now and four shelves of pure emptiness taking place. Like there's a really interesting disconnect between kind of we knew in our heart of hearts like our actions were clearly showing that we knew something was going on like i've got this picture right i've got this picture of of quinn snyder hosting a press conference with social distancing and then my next picture is in boston um of all of the picture of all of the you know uh empty shelves in various stores that I was sending home saying like, wow, look at this. This is crazy. So like clearly we knew something massive was going on. We just didn't react really.
0: So David, taking this back to, to Donovan and Rudy again for, uh, for a second, do you agree with me? I, I feel like this may be, I mean, there may be some conflict there. I mean, Rudy basically admitted to as much, and, and you were there that night at Oklahoma City. I mean, there's there's some trauma there. That's an extreme circumstance. I can understand why feelings would, would come to the surface. But I think eventually this works itself out because, one, I think they both want to win, and, two, they have every incentive to work it out together financially and otherwise. Your thoughts on that?
1: So you have young men in a really scary circumstance with an experience they've never had before, Right. right? Right, who then get put in isolation, right? Who then are not able to do what they do best in the world, which every single minute of each of their lives for the last, I'm you know, I'm sure they relax a little too, but really, truly, every minute of their lives for the last Rudy's last twelve, Donovan's last ten have been about being great basketball players, and now they can't play basketball. So they're in a really strange space of life right now. Scared, uncertain, you know, uncomfortable, angst, uh, you know, not to make it about me, but I'm 49 years old. And I, I, like, I've blown it a few times recently, right? Like I've been in conversations where I misread the room really, really badly because of the angst that I was under forgetting the angst somebody else was under, right? Like I just blew it. Um, And so, Then you couple all that with, like, what is Rudy and Donovan's connection? They're brilliant basketball players. Unbelievably brilliant basketball players. Donovan jumps on Rudy and puts the water bottle on top of him. When? When they are brilliant together and they share a moment and they win a game together and they, in a moment of stress and pressure on the floor at what they're great at, they do something together and they have a collective moment. Those, by definition are impossible right now there are not two guys that are going to get on the phone and talk every day like that's donovan and royce right that was how Wool and rudy like everyone like i haven't talked to a bunch of people all the time like i've tried to stay in touch but right like jake if you and i had a spat we get along but like we don't talk a lot so we just be pissed at each other right, right. like that's just how it would work yep so and then we'd need a collective moment together and get over it well by definition right now nobody gets collective moments And so it's just a really tough circumstance and a a unique script that's just very different than anything we've ever experienced before. David,
2: uh, nobody has watched Donovan and Rudy on the court together more than you, at least nobody outside the team itself. How do you think their games fit together and moving forward? Hey, hey
0: Gordon, we're, we're, real quick, we're we're up against it, and this is this is going to be a really good answer from David. Can we tease this and, and get to it next when we have time to really cover? All right, this I,
2: I just let me ask it, and then we'll yeah. we'll go on. But David, uh, well, I'm interested in your. Uh, evaluation of the way they fit together because this other stuff is going to be taken care of it it has to be like jake was talking about, like you were talking i think it's gonna be taken care of but i'm interested in your diagnosis of their match on the court together
0: gordon before i rudely interrupted you were uh, posing a question for david
2: I said that David has watched these guys more than anybody other than the guys on the team, the coaches, and maybe a few others. But, uh, David, interested in your evaluation of the fit on the court between Rudy and Donovan.
1: Well, I, I mean, so we obviously will look at it offensively. The fit with everyone with Rudy defensively is great. <laughs> I think that's, that's fair, right? Wouldn't we? Oh, yeah. Uh, Here, Rudy, so- you take it. <laughs> right so i mean i think so if we start looking at donovan and rudy donovan runs about the ninth most amount of picks in the nba i'm doing some of this off the top of my head he runs about 45 percent of those picks with rudy as the ball handler um it's about if i remember correctly it's the sixth most used combination in the nba hmm. so they you know rudy leads the league in screen assists because he's great at setting screens and Donovan's pretty darn good at getting off screens and and making plays. If we take the top 100 groups of them, I'm looking at my old notes. So, Like I'm not I got to be honest, I'm not entirely sure on um, on what day I, I did this research. Um, but if you look at the top 100 pick and roll combinations in the league, like they rank pretty well right they they they're i think about 1.055 5 points per pick and roll together it's they it comes out comes out pretty well like they rank that that would rank them in in i think the top i don't know i'd have to look at it again but i think it ranks them in about the top 15 of any pick and roll combination in the league and then if you you know start to narrow it down and say okay well there's 30 teams so I actually just want the top 60 right that that, that actually run a lot right i want guys that have run at least run a lot of pick and rolls. That they get even higher. Like some of you know, Montre- Lou Williams and like Michael Green is like the best in the league. Well, they they've not run. You know, they don't run very many. So you start to you know narrow that down a little bit, and and now they're in the top ten combinations in the league. So you know, there's there's little intricacies to each of their games. Does Donovan need to find Rudy more on rolls? Sure, it's a really hard pass, and particularly at six one, it's a really hard pass, and. You know, you start, I think I was talking about this, but when the season ended, we did a show about this. I remember driving somewhere and talking to you about this, but if you start looking at the amount of guys in the league who've thrown pass, paint-to-paint passes at the rim, like LeBron leads the league, right? With the mammoth guys he has in Dwight Howard and Anthony and What was it like? Like how many was it? Like two a game? Something yeah, like that? Something right. crazy like that? Yeah. So, you know, it's not something you're going to see very often. Um so, I, you know, I, I don't – I I think, you know, it would be nice if Rudy got the ball offensively with a man between him and the basket and can score a little bit more. That'd be nice, right? Then when they switched on the pick and roll, Donovan could retreat out and go into Rudy. It'd be nice if Rudy – if Donovan had a little bit more of a passing vision. You know, his natural instinct is a scorer, and he's never played point guard in his life. Okay, great. We got little things about it. This is this is the reality of two players that are developing together at the same time, and – um. And I think so there's little aspects of their games that could be better, but frankly I think they're a pretty good combination together. Quinn Snyder's built the offense around him, Quinn's the master at teaching the pick and roll. And so in turn, statistically they're great.
0: We asked Chris Mannix this, this same question, David, and he said he thought that they were a good fit. He said maybe not perfect fit offensively, but he did think that they were a good fit. If you were giving, or, or let, me, let me put it this way, if you wanted to turn Rudy into a, an even better offensive player than he is now, whose film would you tell him to watch?
1: So no, I, don't, I don't buy the narrative of the question. Okay. So there's people who disagree with me, but I think Rudy's a terrific offensive player. Is he a good offensive player in the sense that you can give him the ball, he can go score? No. But the league's defenses, number one thing they're trying to do right now is take players off the rim. Right? The number one thing in the league right now by every single defense is to not allow somebody to get a shot at the rim. Like Milwaukee's like just allowing you to take threes so they don't allow... Okay? So... Rudy Gobert is one of the le- is is third in the league at 409 shots in the restricted area. Like if everybody could get more shots at the rim, they'd go get them, but they can't. Rudy's taken more shots at the rim than LeBron James, than Anthony Davis, than James Harden, than Russell Westbrook, Montrezl Harrell, and Andre Drummond have taken more shots at the rim. I don't give a crap how he gets them either. Does he get them on an offensive rebound? Does he get them on a lob? Does he get them on a – I don't care. If guys could get shots at the rim, they would, and Rudy can. And he shoots 76% on them. It's a unique skill that players don't have that is becoming more and more valuable in the league. Sure, is he getting less shots at the rim than he had a year ago? Yes, but that's because the league has adapted, taking that away. And while Rudy might have at times shown frustration this season about it, the fact is he was still one of the best in the league. And for a guy who at times seemed like he wanted more shots and wanted the ball more, he had the third most of anyone in the league at the rim. So on both sides of this equation, I don't buy it. I don't buy when I watch Rudy be like, come on, I'm not getting the ball enough, I'm open. And I'm not, though I get that it's like, pain to set picks and run up and down the floor and not touch the ball. i still not buying it. And I'm not buying the narrative that Rudy needs to be a better offensive player because he's taking the third most amount of shots at the rim of anyone in the league.
2: David, you've been consistent uh, with this opinion uh, for quite some time now, probably based on your research. So I, I can vouch for you on that because I remember you saying that uh, if early in the season and, and mid-season too. So... Uh, good on you for staying consistent with that. Let me ask Remember, you
1: when the what, when Rudy's gonna get like a jump shot, and I'm like, never. <laughs>
2: <laughs> let, let me let, along those lines. Let me ask you; it's an impossible question, and I don't know whether you've done any statistical breakdown on age slash development of players. But let me get your speculation here. Where do you think Donovan is on his? path on his ascendancy toward where he will be when he's at his best. And same thing with Rudy. Is he have they Has he reached his peak yet or is there still an ascent?
1: I actually think there's a part of Donovan's game that we haven't tapped yet. Um, Some of it's the circumstances in which he's played and and who he's been around and and how he's played. I think there was a little hope that Mike Conley might be able to unleash part of Donovan's game. And that is, I believe that Donovan is one of the elite shooters in the league. Pure catch and shoot. Maybe even Clay Thompson is so strong. I'd be curious to watch him, Clay Thompson esque, coming off picks outside the three point line, getting shots. He's a little small. You know, he's only 6'1. So when you look at the guys who take those shots, it's Duncan Robinson, it's Davis Bertans, it's Clay Thompson, it's Buddy Healed. They're all 6'4, 6'5. And so it's a little harder to get Donovan at 6'1, those shots as a point guard, as a shooting guard being guarded. By guys who are six you know five or so but i think if you you know if you start kind of fiddling with some of the numbers on donovan and and you go january one of this year or even i think you if you go february one it's actually through the roof um and you start playing catch and shoot numbers you guys are getting me to like back to all my prep i'm looking at my notes trying to find stuff i can't even it's been a month i don't even know where they all sit anymore um but if if you go and try to find the best catch and shoot guy in the NBA, not like one of the best, the the number one catch and shoot guy since February one in the in the, I think it's Donovan. So I, I think there, at least on three point shots, I think there's an aspect of his game that has not been tapped yet, which is actually him without the ball in his hands. Uh, I think the next step for Donovan, frankly, I think Quinn was working on this, was that. For Donovan, in Donovan's last 16 games, I just pulled it up, he was shooting 53% on catch-and-shoot threes. The only player in the NBA that was better was Seth Curry. But in that span, Donovan's Donovan's getting, you know, he's taking 51 threes, catch-and-shoot threes in 16 games. So, you know, how do we get him to take more? How do we get him to go from suddenly being three a game to six a game? And I think that's the next step for Donovan that will make him uh, better as a as a efficient offensive player and not having to have the ball in his hands quite as much.
0: David, let let us pick your brain for a second on a discussion Gordon and I were having earlier in the week and we we wanted to bring it up with you. We actually started this discussion talking about Rudy and he's playing. He's got a big contractor, uh, you know, uh, coming up. And we started talking about players when they um, have a little bit more motivation taking their game to the next level. And we were talking about how it's not really a comment on their lollygagging or something as much as it is their humans. And when it comes right down to it, maybe there's that extra level. Do you believe in the contract year bump?
1: Nope.
0: No? Okay. Do tell.
1: There have been a bunch of research projects done on it. And more often than not. So there's two things to it. One is if there's a contract year bump, you'd have to imply that the year afterwards they get worse. Right. Right. So what happens is that someone's in their contract year in the natural moment in which they're progressing to get better. Mm -hmm. And so they get better. They get their contract. Everyone says it's a contract year bump, but they're actually just a better player and they continue to be a better player moving forward. If, if, to do a statistical analysis on it, which people have done and they don't find much difference, you would have to show that someone jumps for a year and then meanders back to a lower level after that. There are certainly probably cases where we thought Benoit Benjamin used to, like players like that, but I don't think that's actually accurate. Um, And I think it's also one of those things, a little bit to the point of what I'm saying is that we kind of we make it up and we talk about it. We say, "Oh, he's in a contract year bump." So let's take Boyan for example. Mm-hmm. Boyan, you really easily could have said last year was a contract year bump, right? Right. He went from averaging 14 points to 18 points. He went from playing 30 minutes to 31 minutes. He went from three rebounds to four, and it was his contract year. So that's a great one. Oh, look, contract year bump. Yeah, he's he's actually better this year. He's averaging 20 points. So it's not a contract. you're bump. He just got better. Hmm.
0: I wonder David, because. Oh, sorry, Gordon. Go ahead.
2: Uh, no, continue your thought.
0: Well, I was just going to say, David, didn't you cover Richard Lewis uh, when he was in Seattle? He's the he's the one I always think of when this discussion comes up.
1: Well, first his role changed, but I bet you if we dig into it, um, I did call. Co- I did cover him. You know, he was in Seattle. He averaged twenty-two points a game. Well, the year before he averaged twenty, and the year before that he averaged twenty as well. So, I don't think he had a contract year bump. He went to Orlando, who had Dwight Howard, and he averaged 18 points a game. They also had Hito Turkoglu and they also had Jameer Nelson. So, he went from a Seattle team where I think they probably won about, well, that was the lockout year. So, or, I th- or it might have been it, the lockout year because he only played 60 games. So, I mean, I'd guess they won about, if he played 60 games, I'd guess they won about 20 and 40 when he played that year. I like, happened to know that year. Um, And then, you know, he goes to Orlando and I think that team won 60 games or at least 55. So he didn't like, he didn't have a contract year bump. He was getting better. He continued to be really good the next year. He shot a better percentage in Orlando from three and kind of continued to be a really good player. He then slowed down a little bit at 31 years old, but that's 31 years old. Having played for 11 years in the league, that actually happens.
2: David, what's something. What's something Jake. that you? I, yes.
1: Total fail. Total fail. Okay. okay. I. I, I just, total fail. I just. I'm being polite. <laughs> now. I'm. Total fail. <laughs> All
0: right. I'm just asking the questions. That. That's just the name that always comes up. I buy your answer. I think you're on the money. Yeah.
1: Give me a hard time.
2: Since. Uh, since uh, you, we're on a roll here with with your passion, David, I wanted to ask you about something that you feel. Really passionate about that you you haven't really had an opportunity to express. Is there something uh, banging around in the back of your mind? But how about skiing? Uh, <laughs> anything? Yeah, I was I was thinking more along.
1: Thinking... Sports, the, only, the only one but... I give a shout out out there to. Uh, I, I I just and I I actually like last night was so emotional about this. Like my son, who's a senior in high school, was fine. And I was like a mess. I just give a huge shout out to all the senior athletes out there that never got their senior year. It just, it breaks me. Like I was a, it could, like I was a baseball player. It's all I cared about. It's the only thing I cared about throughout high school was my baseball. My, my, I was such a bad student that if I cared about that, I would have gone crazy. So, (laughs) you know, all I cared about was baseball. All I worked for was baseball. All my self-worth was out of baseball. If I had lost my senior year baseball, oh my gosh. Um, You know, it was everything to me. So, and, and then, you know what, that's, that's fine. Cause that's everything, but there's also the kid who's like, and I actually think these are the high school players that are the most beautiful thing out there. There's the girl softball player who starts some games and doesn't start others. Who's just a part of a team and enjoys it. And she, I, I admire those players more. I, we, we have a really good friend whose kids an all state basketball player decided to, go out for golf a few years ago, having never played the game before. So she put her, I mean, like think about putting yourself out there like that. And she put herself out there like that. This was her year, right? Like this, she was three years into putting herself out there. Like that, this was going to be the dividend and, you know, happened to know her well. And there was so the hope that there was a little squat freshman that was going to be able to help her out a little bit along the way. And, and they don't ever get that chance. So I, I just feel really, really, um, I, I'm just broken inside for these senior athletes. I mean, we're ath—we talk sports. I mean, every senior who along the way, but my my son is—I think many of you know—is an alpine ski racer, and he's in a program where they're basically professional athletes. I mean, they work crazy hard. It blows my mind how hard they work. A bunch of his teammates never even got a last race, right? And and for those kids, the level there a ski academy in in Utah, the way they are, they, they're literally retiring, right? They're not just having their time come to, they're retiring. They they gave their heart and soul in every moment and and they never got a last race. Like that, that is just crushes me. And and then, as I said, like, okay, that's the highest level, but I, I really feel for that, I don't, you know, that softball player who was a part of the team for who went and did JV for two years and wasn't very good and was going to get her senior year with her three best friends who happened to be really good and she was going to be on that team and they were going to have that bonding experience. I don't get it. Just sucks.
0: Speaking of that, David, how are how are your kids? Because I I worry about kids and and kids, your kids' age for sure, going through all of this. I mean, it's it's truly unique. I, I worry about the young
1: souls out there. Um, I'm actually pretty impressed by my. I can only speak to my specific two. Um, you know, it's hard. My son's a senior. Uh, he had this really. He goes to Rollin Hall School, which is um, K through 12, and he had this like telling moment where he said. My gosh! I went to school for 13 years with 45 kids. I never said goodbye to. Huh. Like I was like, whoa, right? He's like, they weren't like, these aren't like his best friends or anything. All of them, like, it's not like 45 best friends, but they're 45 kids who's in school with for 13 straight years, and like, I don't like, never say goodbye, like, never see him again. He literally like, and he got it like early. He was like, wow, I might never see any of them again. Um, you know, I feel for them. Uh, you know. I, I, I'm actually impressed by both of them um, on how they've been able to handle this and keep their mental fortitude. I think these kids in this day and age um, are way stronger than we are. We ask, I know I, I know all the articles are about their anxiety and all the problems kids are having. That's that's because we're, we're jacking them up. Um, <laughs> I, I think these kids are asked way more than we were ever asked out of. I think they live in a world that presents them with a lot more uh hurdles than we were ever asked to and i think they're way more mature and way stronger than we were um you know they you know so that's that's my i i'm i'm overwhelmingly impressed with with this generation of kids that's actually coming and and, uh frankly i'm overwhelmed you know the same thing i feel when i deal with our jazz players like these 25 and younger and 27 year olds and younger kids i think they're amazingly impressive what what they're asked to handle
2: do you uh, do you notice any inclination on the part of your kids to follow their old man's footsteps into broadcasting?
1: Uh, one of them, might. Hmm. the other one has no chance, has no interest. I mean, one of my kids doesn't like to go to games. Hmm. One of them likes the spotlight.
2: So you got a ham in there
1: somewhere. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, have you been? Have you been watching my Instagram account? <laughs> We're only doing one thing in this house. Golf. That's, That's
0: awesome. Hey, well, David, this this worked out incredibly well. You're right. We're going to have to do this more. I love it that we had an hour to really dig into stuff with you. And, uh, you know, just love it when you have a chance to come on the big show, especially for an hour.
1: Well, thanks. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was fun to go pull up my – I hate to admit it, but I like took me a minute to find my Utah Jazz 2021 prep – Game game broadcast sheet there for a minute, and once I found it, I could find all my little little notes that were that were there about various I don't know number one offense in Jordan Clarkson game was fun to have this little sheet up again, and you just can't remember when I updated it.
2: I can't wait, uh, David, until the next time uh, Jake asks you about uh, a contract to your bump.
1: Well, I, I'm just going to let Jake keep see. This is the thing, though. Like to even to Jake's point, like. So you can go find the contract year bump, right? But that doesn't mean that the, the phenomena is actually real. I mean, it's also very like, there's a great new book out called the hot hand, which is kind of trying to address whether that's actually even real. Like statistically it's, it's hard to find that the hot hand actually is real because we only remember the hot hand who makes the fourth and fifth and sixth straight shot. We don't ever talk about the guy who hits his first three and then misses his next four. And goes three for seven. Yeah, it, you know what?
0: It, isn't that the great thing about stats? You can prove or disprove pretty much anything?
1: Uh, if you know how to read them, you shouldn't be fall false sucker to that. Well, that's
0: true. But I, if I, and I, I'm sure you can identify with this, is if I learned anything from interpreting radio ratings, is you can tell whatever story you want.
1: Well, I used to, when I was a program director, I used to always say... Um, if what i if what what i believe the day before the ratings book i should believe that after or else i'm i have no idea how to do my job
2: yeah that's probably a pretty man david those were the days weren't they holy you God. know i was
1: talking to someone about i actually was talking to a guy the other day i thought this was really interesting he's uh, about 42 43 and he worked at the xfl and so he just lost his job so i was reaching out to him and uh I was asking him about it, and he said it was the greatest thing ever. And he said to me, do you remember when you were young and you were working with other young people and you had that common? And I was like, yes, I do, right? I took us <laughs> right back, to 1320K fan and uh, our days there and and all of us in kind of in the battle together. I was actually talking to Jeremy Castro a little bit today about that whole year as well. Um, and he said, you know, at the XFL, we had that we had that kind of youthful collectiveness um i've told this story a lot i got to seattle everybody was making so much money and it was there was so much on the line there was no collectiveness to anything man it was like i was like hey i said i remember i sent out like my first email to the staff about like hey i've got this really neat show coming on tonight please please promote it and i was listening during the day and one of the guys goes lock emailed me and said he's got something good tonight
2: (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, nice
0: oh teamwork. that's
1: how this works around here
0: <laughs> well you know it's uh it, it i guess it's a reminder that we have a good gig and we've got a good thing going at this station right now and hopefully we can uh capture that spirit to get us through this sort of thing i agree well
2: David, it's always, thank you it's always good to have you on david
0: it's thanks fantastic. david